Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 179 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Wouldn't it be great if we could simply decide to have a better run or a better race or a better life and it would just happen? Today, we're going to talk all about how we can control our mind and our thinking in order to make all of that true. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about feelings. <laughs> I was going to say, you've got a really interesting voice. Oh, no, it's your <laughs> it's your warm and fuzzy, let's all talk about our feelings voice. <laughs> all about thoughts and feelings. Now, don't turn it off, okay? Stick with us for a second here. All right, so they say that running is 90% mental. You guys have heard us say that a bunch of times. I'm sure you've heard that before you've started listening to the podcast. Yeah, 90% mental. The other half is physical. The other half is physical. Absolutely. So we want to talk about that mental portion today. We want to talk to you guys about controlling your thoughts and your feelings in order to completely overhaul and transform your running. That sounds better than we're going to get a whole bunch of really uncomfortable conversations about our feelings. Well, feelings is like your favorite topic, it right? It is. I'm yeah. totally not recording this podcast while cowering in the floor in the fetal position at all. <laughs> and I totally didn't have to like pull your feelings out of you since the time when I met you at the age of 20. Oh, no. I was super <laughs> open and sharing of my feelings at the age of 20. Definitely not trying to be like a big macho man. That's If you've ever seen a picture of me, your first thought is always macho. Joe man. That is that is the epitome of the alpha male over there. Look at him trying to draw all the attention to himself. So let's talk about... <laughs> I'm going to do some push-ups. <laughs> you do that while I plank over here. All right. So today we're going to talk all about the mind. Okay. We're going to talk about how powerful our brain is and how we can actually start to rewire our brain so that we can get the results that we're looking for. So feelings are a guide for our life. And that was actually written by you. Yeah. That sentence. Yeah, I know. That makes it's... me so happy. <laughs> I know. You're going to be pretty happy with a lot of the things that I came out with in the podcast. And the outline <laughs> here is as long as I actually got my, my words correct and kind of made my way through several typos I had in the first place. It's all but... good. That's why we work on this together, babe. I know, because it's a whole outline all about feelings. And so I'm trying to actually deal with my own feelings as I write about the topic to try and help other people deal with their own feelings. Aww, it's That's so meta. It's you. meta and uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, let's let's start where, where feelings come from, okay? So essentially, feelings are the actual sensations that you have in your body. Like, that's why they're called feelings, because you actually feel your feelings. So when you are stressed or when you are tense, like where do you feel that? Do you feel that as like muscle tightness in your shoulders? Do you get a stomach ache when you're feeling anxiety or fear, right? Like sometimes we can feel like a heaviness in our chest. Like I know I feel like a chest tightness when our kids are doing something that I don't want them to be doing and I've told them not to do it for the 12th time. I get the headache, the like right on the temple, <laughs> mm -hmm. like that stabbing pain right. uh, on both sides. You know, it's both sides when I'm like, it's really, it's the feelings from something else from like the situation that I'm currently in mm -hmm. gives me that thing. Because if it's an actual headache from like dehydration, it almost always picks the left or the right side. When it's like, 
oh, that's happening and I need to deal with it now? And the answer isn't deal with it by having a drink of water. Both sides simultaneously. What about the, the sinus one right in the middle of your head that you had last week? That was just a combination of exhaustion and, and just <laughs> overall just way too many things going on. Yeah. It was not one situation that was like... Overload? All of the situations simultaneously. That was I'm, overload. Yeah. yeah. I'm not even sure what the emotion was on that. That was just... It was too much in lack of recovery. Right. So we want you guys to first start thinking about this in your own body. Like, where do you actually feel these things? Like, when you are feeling a feeling... What do you actually feel inside your body? That was a lot of feeling right there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should have some Muppets to help us explain this. <laughs> so whenever you have these different feelings or emotions, right? Anxiety, stress, happiness, sadness, um, elation, right? Like all of these different things, like there's different ways that you actually feel those things in your body. And your feelings are kind of a guide for you, right? Like to let you know what exactly is going on inside your brain. Right. Like the feeling they, there's a benefit to having all of these different things. Like our brain is ultimately trying to basically help us feel good and stay alive. Like at, at its core, it wants us to stay alive. You know, as I, I, I just gave my biology midterm today, and one of the questions that I've drilled in my kids over and over since chapter one is the whole point of existence is to live long enough to reproduce. Mm -hmm. That's your brain's job. Just keep you alive. And for the most part, it wants to keep you alive and feeling good. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily being super, super productive, just feeling good enough that you keep making it through the day. Right. Our brains are wired to avoid pain and seek pleasure. Plain and simple. You know, some people call that the primal brain. Some people call that the reptilian brain. Um, some people call that the caveman brain, however you want to refer to it, right? Either way, it's your brain. Right. And that's what your brain does. Like that is how your brain is wired. Avoid pain, seek pleasure. So that is why running is one of those things that is so mentally challenging because running can cause pain or it causes discomfort, right? Like not, hopefully it's not causing pain. Go back and listen to a host of our other episodes if you're actually having pain in your running because you should not be having pain. But Running is uncomfortable a lot, a lot of times, right? Like especially when you're first starting out, your body's not exactly sure what it's doing, if, if things should be feeling this way, like you're using body parts in ways that you haven't before, or if you start a new training plan and you're running longer than you ever have before, or you're running faster than you ever have before, and your muscles and your joints are just not used to that, that discomfort is your body getting stronger. You're actually breaking it down so that it will get stronger. But that discomfort, your brain is yelling at you and saying, stop this. This doesn't feel good. You are threatening my survival. Yeah, it literally is sending off all the alarms to say, I'm pretty confident we're dying and you need to walk now and never do this thing again. It's it's really just the, the feelings that your body's sending out there. It's sending out all sorts of like pain and I can't breathe. It's similar to the feelings when we first met and you made me talk about my emotions <laughs> where I'm getting all these signals going out where I'm getting sensations of pain and I can't breathe and there's tightness in my chest and upset stomach. It's the same sensation about when you, you know, fire up a new training plan and you start running distances and paces and hills and stuff that you haven't done before. You get new feelings and you have to figure out what you're supposed to do with them. Right. And it's so interesting that you point that out because I think that's a great 
way to tie these things together, right, is the feelings, that sensation in your body of I can't breathe, right? I can't breathe because I'm running really fast or I can't breathe because I'm so stressed out and like there's so much anxiety around this situation that like some people that's what happens, right? They hyperventilate, right? Like when um, they're on an airplane, like you, they used to have the, you know, the bags. Well, they still do, right? The, the barf bags. <laughs> yeah. I, I used them regularly right. through my childhood. I mean, that's a good example too, right? Like nothing is actually happening, but it's the anxiety that causes someone to feel like they need to throw up right or that they're unable to breathe that their 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 chest is tightening so they have to breathe into the bag those are all very real physical sensations caused by a thought right and that's one of the things we want you guys to understand is that feelings are actually caused by your thoughts about any given situation right so you're presented with a situation then you have a thought about that that thought can be conscious or it can be unconscious. So for a lot of people, especially ones that have um, fears, like especially irrational fears, like fear of flying or um, fear of heights or those kinds of things, um, these phobias, right? Those are all actually caused by subconscious or unconscious thoughts in the brain that actually cause those physical sensations of the feelings that you actually feel that makes you think that you're in danger. Right. So you, you essentially bypass, like you, you climb onto a plane, you have a fear of planes and you hear the engine start going and you move into this state of panic and like you can't move, you're gripping the the chair. You literally don't feel like you can stand up anymore. Like your muscles are shutting down. You can't breathe very well. you skipped over the whole idea of of thought. Mm -hmm. Like you completely skipped past thinking and just went straight into feeling terror. Well, you didn't, you didn't skip it. You just, you didn't acknowledge it. Right. You weren't aware of it. Your brain kind of stopped paying attention. The thought is I'm going to die. Like you get on a plane situation is I'm getting on a plane. Thought is I'm going to die. Feeling is all these things that happen, right? Like the heart racing, the the chest closing down, difficulty breathing, vomiting, like all these actual feelings and sensations that are happening in your body. But they're all coming from that thought as I'm going to die, right? Whether you're aware of it or not. And this is what we want you guys to start doing. This is what we're going to talk about in this episode is becoming more aware of those thoughts and of those feelings and then understanding that you can choose something else like these thoughts that don't serve you when you have these feelings that don't feel good you can simply choose a different thought in order to get a different feeling right and so we went with the idea of getting on a plane and feeling that i'm going to die but you also have this when you head out on a run Mm -hmm. and your legs start screaming at you like your body reacts to this physical challenge that you're putting it through it doesn't like challenge it doesn't like discomfort and so it's going to send you a whole bunch of messages that say you're going to die mm-hmm. and then you can decide what to do with those messages not today <laughs> not today that's another message you could choose right so typically like we said your brain is wired to avoid pain seek pleasure and that's why we typically try to do things that are going to give us more quote unquote positive feelings versus negative feelings because that's just the way that you're body's wired like that's why the way your brain is wired right so we do things like avoiding challenges we avoid boredom Mm -hmm. because boredom is like our brain gets does not like sitting still it's going to keep us preoccupied whether it just kind of does that just to keep us from sliding into something that might be challenging it's just going to keep us busy so i mean 
I've watched my kids, they finish their midterms and they start playing mindless games on their iPads. And I mean, the games, how phenomenal was the like worldwide sensation of Candy Crush? Mm -hmm. It's still going. All it is is literally just moving dots around on the screen because your brain loves not being bored. And it's not all that challenging. People are like, oh no, this is a super hard level. No, it's not. It's still just moving dots around on the board. Mm -hmm. And so your brain avoids major challenges. It keeps you busy. It likes doing things where you're knocking off checklists, where you feel busy and productive, even if it prevents you from actually taking big major steps forward. Mm -hmm. That's how it kind of moves into like you're running. It prevents you from making big advances in your running. It goes into life. It prevents you from making like big changes to overhaul your life because it doesn't like change it likes to kind of hang out where you are which is why a lot of runners find themselves in that place of doing the same thing over and over again right so even when when you get over that initial hump when you first start running right and you you realize you're not gonna die right and you actually become a runner All right a lot of runners then fall into the trap of doing the same thing over and over again you go out on the same loop at the same pace every single day or a couple days a week or however often you run right and you wonder why you're not improving because you, you don't have to you're not actually challenging the body when you don't feel the discomfort your body's not going to improve like you have to be feeling the discomfort your brain should be yelling at you <laughs> to tell you to stop sometimes right not every time you not every run every run should not feel this way okay um but Sometimes, like you need to challenge yourself continuously to make sure that you're still improving. And this is how the feelings are are a guide. You know, there's quote unquote good and bad feelings, but bad feelings are not are not a, a bad thing for you. Like you should feel like you're struggling on some of your runs because it lets you know that you're doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. That's in fact a very positive thing. You could suggest that it's a warning sign, but it's a warning sign that you went out on that run and were aiming. I want to push until I start getting these warning signals and then I'm going to hang out at that speed for a while. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to ride the yellow for a little while in this run, or I'm going to do intervals and I'm going to, I want to run until I get these appropriate warning signals at me because that means that I, I made it to the red zone and now I'm going to recover for a little bit and then push into the red zone and now recover for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like the warning signs are there to help you know that you're pushing appropriately. Right. And that's why we train our athletes in effort-based training. You know, we, we talk about paces also, especially if we have time goals, but we really train our real life runners training team in to, to understand effort-based training, to understand what a level five feels like in your body, what a level two effort level feels like in your body, what a level eight feels like in your body, so that you know, regardless if you have your watch, if you're hitting a certain pace, you know whether or not you're actually pushing your body to the appropriate level to gain the benefit of the workout that you're supposed to be gaining that day. Yeah, this one was a, a tough one for me. Back when, I mean, years back when we were like, okay, we should really focus on effort-based training and, you know, with our own cross-country team and then with the athletes on, on our worldwide team and everything of effort-based training is such a key because I love numbers. Like I'm an engineer. I love the numbers and I wish that there was like a magic formula that was like, oh, well, you just run, you know, three miles at this exact pace and you'll get these exact adaptations in your body. It'd be sweet if, if that was the case, but we're not all robots. We're, we're people, we adapt differently. And so effort-based training is super key and it involves actually getting in touch with your feelings, which, 
Yeah, I guess it's a good thing that we're all in touch with our feelings in this house. (laughs) So what we want you to also realize, like we just said a little bit before, is that feelings are not who you are. Feelings are also not just a thought. The thought, the feeling is what you're actually experiencing in your body. They are a result of your thought, okay, based on whatever situation or circumstance that you find yourself in. So what we want to encourage you to do here, okay, so that's all great. Feelings, thoughts, fantastic. What do we actually do about them? How do we actually start to control them and use them to our advantage, okay? So step number one is to become an observer of your feelings. So that means actually stepping back, like feeling something, and then kind of removing yourself from the situation to kind of look on almost like a third party, kind of like an out-of-body experience kind of thing. Right, and if you can grasp just this aspect of it, because there's there's another step that we go there, beyond yeah. this one, but if you can just get to this one, you're going to make massive gains in, in running, in life, mm-hmm. in whatever aspect you're able to apply this of simply observing that your feelings are are not you that there's thoughts behind it and that you can think about what to do with those feelings like there's thoughts before it there's thoughts after it feelings just happen to be there and you can observe them the same way that you can observe other sensations Mm -hmm. i think this is so powerful and the feelings you know those are what your body those are the signals that your body is sending you to make you pay attention to whatever it is that's happening right that's basically what those are and that's how you can start thinking about them that you're not an angry person that right now I'm experiencing anger, right? Yeah. Like you you see it as something separate from yourself. Like you don't put it as an identifier. It's simply a state of current being right then. Like I shouldn't even say being, but like your current state of your brain or your of your body is feeling that way. It's kind of like... I always think about um, like Spanish or like the Latin-based languages, right? They have a bueno. difference... <laughs> they have a different word to use for like I am like uh, yes. right whether or not that's a permanent characteristic or a temporary characteristic so and English doesn't have that no English does not have that yeah. everything is simply to be so then everything kind of gets put into this fixed permanent state of being mm-hmm. I am happy Really? No, you're experiencing happiness. Right. And there are times that you are also sad, right? But it's not like, this is the thing, right? We don't, in English, like you can add in a word, like say, I am feeling sad. Like I am constant, or I am currently experiencing happiness or sadness. But we don't usually go to that level. We just say, I am this or I am that. And so we want you guys to take a step back when you it's been like the most awkward conversation when kids come home from school. Hey, how was your day? I'm currently experiencing happiness about my day at school. <laughs> but it's the power of language. Yes. Like it truly is because the, the language that we use is the way that we think about ourselves. And that those are the messages that we are actually sending our brain on a daily basis. So if you say, I am happy, I am sad, whatever it might be, your brain is interpreting that as a permanent fixed characteristic. Right. So, I mean, this really just keeps going back to feelings are like any of your other senses. You can smell, you can taste, you can touch. What's really the difference between like warmth and happiness? These are just a couple of sensations that you've got. Okay. So if you're feeling, I don't know, 
let's flip it to cold because I'm looking at you standing here in a sweatshirt. So if you're feeling a little chilly, you could put on a sweatshirt and then change that sensation. If you're feeling a little sad, there's things that you can do. Like that doesn't mean that now you're sad and you're trapped in that emotion. You can do things like you can be like, oh, I'm feeling a little chilly. Let's figure out where that came from. Maybe the fan is still running in the room. Maybe the air conditioning got set super low because one of our kids walked down the hallway and turned it down to like 50 degrees in the house. (laughs) There's reasons for it. Maybe you're feeling sad. Think about the thought that caused that feeling. You kind of have to go backwards and figure out the cause and then figure out what you want to do with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I feel a little chilly. Oh, the thermostat's actually correct. I'm just going to put on a sweatshirt because it's kind of drizzly outside and it just helps make me feel a little bit chilly today. I feel sad. It came from this. Do I, can I change that thought or can I change my, my thought moving forward on it? Right. Because I think that a lot of times right now, people are starting to understand this a little bit more as this information kind of becomes more widespread. But what they want to do is just get through, move past everything, right? Yeah. Move past. And I want to encourage you to just stop. And again, we're at the become an observer level, right? Just observe what's happening without trying to change anything right away. Like at the step number one, just start to notice. Notice the sensations that you're getting. When you have that, when you think that you're feeling anxious, like where do you physically feel that in your body? Or if you feel a tightness in your chest, what are you feeling, right? You just kind of start questioning either way. If you're starting to feel warmth, like I thought of this because you mentioned warmth and cold. Like I know that when I start to get angry, like I can actually feel a warm sensation in my body, right? Like mm-hmm. I can actually start to feel hot yep. um, when anger really starts, which is why anger is usually seen as like red, right? Like a hot emotion where sadness and, you know, melancholy is more into the blues and those kinds of things. Like your feelings, right? Your feelings actually can have colors attached to them. Like if you really think about them. Um, and I read a great book a couple months ago called permission to feel. And it was written by a guy from, I think Princeton, um, Princeton or Harvard. I can't remember. And it was a fantastic book. And that's how he talks about feelings. Like he has four different quadrants. There's like the red, yellow, green, and blue, and your feelings just kind of fall into one of those areas. And then, and then are there blended colors on that one? Just Not kind of in his, like... but there, but there's like um, basically rows, and so like the closer you are to, so you could make it a gradient if you wanted to, but like the closer you are to the other color, then the less strong that Oh, so there's like blue is. and then there's dark blue. Right. Okay, got Kind it. of thing. Like the, the ones all around the edges are like the strong yeah. <laughs> ones in that color. And then as you move towards the other colors, they're less. Yeah, because you can feel happy, but you can also feel like elation. And right. they're both, I mean, those are two levels of happiness. Exactly. So like elation, and then there's just kind of like melancholy, like, or like sadness and depression. Yes. Right? Like, so there's different levels of those different colors. Got it. So, I mean, which is the same as, you know, other feelings that we get, you know, if I walk in the house and and something delicious is being cooked for dinner, there's the smell that you can get. And it depends on what it is. Sometimes that scent is really, really strong. Sometimes it's not. And 
that that leads to different feelings inside of your body. Like you get a good smell coming through the house and your mouth starts literally watering over that. You're not eating anything. You might not even see the food in front of you. It could just be a candle burning that makes it seem like there is actual like delicious food being baked. But your body still reacts as though there's food in front of you. Actually, it reacts as though there's food in your mouth. That's mm-hmm. why you start making the saliva. Yeah. There's not food in your mouth. Uh, it was Yale. It wasn't Harvard or Princeton. It was Yale. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I just remembered. But anyways, yeah, it's true though. Like, and, and that's why these different triggers in our brain can cause these feelings, right? So the issue with all of this, right, is let's, let's take this back to our running, right? When you're yes. experiencing pain and discomfort – is that actual physical pain or is it just your brain trying to protect you? And is there actually a difference? Right. And how far along the, the gradient are you? Mm-hmm. You know, if you think to um, warmth, there's there's levels of it. Yeah. And if it's like 75 degrees outside, you could say that that's, that's warmth. But not if the day before it was 90, mm-hmm. then it's not. Relative to 90, 75 is, is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But if the day before it was 30 and there was snow on the ground, now it's 75, now that's a beautiful warm day. So there's this relative thing. Mm-hmm. So you go off on a run and you're like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. Relative to what? Like, was the day before an easy run? Was the day before a hard run? That changes. Like, this morning, I went off on a run, and I was like, I feel like I'm moving pretty quickly. And then I I hit a mile mark, and I looked down at my watch, and I'm like, and I'm not. <laughs> like, the sensation and yeah. the time on my wrist didn't match each other. Mm-hmm. I was running. I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I was at the effort level that I wanted to be. I just, the way that the rest of my body was feeling, the cadence that I had in turnover, I thought I really fully expected when I hit the mile mark and I glanced down at my wrist that a different number was going to be there. Yeah, and I I think every runner has experienced that, right? Like, you go off and you're, like, feeling really good and then all of a sudden you look at the pace or whatever and you're like, oh, I didn't, or like, or you're going faster, right? Like, sometimes you're going faster than you think you're going. Sometimes you're going slower than you think you're going. And either way, it's still just whatever you're feeling in your body. And then there's just this external thing that is also attached to it. Right. And I mean, this is why people go out too fast in so many races because... Adrenaline. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which they've got they've got their feelings about the race of whether it's it's nerves, it's excitement, whatever it is. And it blocks your like physical sensation of, mm-hmm. of discomfort because... Well, I'm I'm running at this pace, and you you never run at that pace because as soon as you feel I don't know, let's say like an eight minute mile, you know the breathing, how hard you're breathing at that thing. But now it's a race, and you got all these people around you, and it's exciting, and so you take off, and you're blocking out all sorts of other receptors, mm-hmm. and you're not paying attention to the fact that oh wait, you are breathing that hard, and suddenly you come through the mile, and you're in like oh seven forty five. Well, that should be interesting for the rest of this race, you know. <laughs> Right. And I think that this is a lot of what this effort-based training will help you to understand is just becoming more mindful and being that observer of, okay, when I'm running at this pace, what does that actually feel like? Right. And this is what training, this is the whole purpose of training, right? If you want to run a sub two hour half marathon, which is a goal for a lot of people, what pace do you need to hold for that? Okay, now during your training, all the different training runs, you have to experiment with different things of holding that pace. Like what does that actually feel like in your body so that you know on race day what those sensations should be? Like, and obviously everything, you know, 
You never know what's going to happen on race day, but the whole point of training is to train at paces faster than that, train at paces slower than that, train at that pace, and understand the differences in how those things feel in your body, especially as you get stronger. Those things are going to change. As you get stronger, as you get faster, those paces that were once much harder are going to start to feel easier. So what does that feel like now in my body? Right, and then when you get to race day and you have the other feelings that come along with it, Mm -hmm. somehow it makes certain paces just not feel quite as difficult on race day because in the middle of a race you've got different thoughts going suddenly you put more value on holding on to that pace you know if it's a workout and it's just you on like an empty track or a treadmill in your basement or whatever it is no one's gonna pay much attention if you hit the down button on the speed on your treadmill like no one's all that concerned if you hit your splits you get into a race especially a race and you've told other people oh i'm doing a race on this day people are going to check in and see what the time is so you've added extra value to the result of that particular run so you're willing to withstand more pain Mm -hmm. than you might be on you know like a random wednesday right so step number one is to become an observer step number two is to become an experimenter right so this is where you start to look at your feelings look at your thoughts and decide what you want to do with them okay decide if you want to keep it if you want to discard it, if you want to replace it with something, if you want to just kind of sit in it and feel it for a little while, you have the choice to do all of those things. And there are times, depending on whatever situation you are in life or in your running, where all of those things are good things. Like I said before, don't try to just rush through all of these things, right? Don't just try to ignore your feelings. So many people, they they start to feel the discomfort and they just want to quickly get through it and get past it and then just ignore it like pretend it didn't even exist and that is not a healthy way to go about things like it is not healthy to be positive all the time like I am a very positive person again there's an I am statement right but I do (laughs) tend to I do my best to see things in a positive light right but there are some things you cannot see positively sometimes right there are just certain things that I have a hard time finding the positive but I I do a pretty good job but there are some things I just need to feel right because if you're constantly trying to be positive all the time I think that that can be actually a negative well and you don't get the ups and downs of life like the there's a reason why good movies are not just like you know laughing every single second and I'm I'm smiling from ear to ear for two hours of a movie that's a terrible movie like you have to have the rise and fall inside of the Mm storyline you have the same thing in your life like you can't really experience the happiness if you don't have the counter to it like you have to have some set you have to have an acknowledgement of what sadness is Mm -hmm. so that you can really have an acknowledgement of what happiness right but I also think that if you're constantly trying to be positive and happy all the time and you are not able to do that then you see yourself as a failure right then you say well then there's there must be something wrong with me I'm not able to reframe this situation and sometimes it's okay to just allow yourself to be in that feeling for a little while and understand that that it's a temporary thing like you will get through it you will move on Um, and this is part of the way that we're going to help you guys do that okay so when the 
these situations arise and these feelings show up, first observe what's going on and then you can decide what to do with it. And what we first want you to understand is the feeling, that sensation that you have in your body is coming from a thought, okay? So the first thing you need to do is figure out what that thought is, right? Because it might be conscious and it might be unconscious. You might be aware that you're having a certain thought that's causing this, or you might not be aware of exactly what thought is causing this feeling. Right. So from a running perspective, I'm going to try and keep taking things towards that way. If you're running along and you start feeling the discomfort, it relates back to the thought you have, which is essentially your expectation of how you should be feeling at that point in, say, whatever race. Like, I'm three miles into a 10K and I'm running this fast. This is how I should be feeling. So you've got this built-in expectation uh, and then you've got your own, like, actual inside the body physical response from you know actual chemicals being released that are trying to send signals to you and all this leads to like an emotional response Mm -hmm. not like the physical like ache of of your muscles like it's kind of connected but there's there's chemicals in there that are actually causing like the the muscles are breaking down and there's chemicals in there that are sending pain receptors and triggering pain receptors but it all kind of comes from your original expectation of, oh, I'm three miles in, I should be feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And so if I'm feeling more uncomfortable than that, now I'm going to start feeling bad about my run. Now I'm going to start feeling nervous that I went out too fast or something to that effect. Well, so now you're taking it to like the next level because now you're having a thought about a feeling, right? So then the feeling that you're experiencing, that sensation in your body, that discomfort now becomes the new situation, right? So there, so there's, there's multiple levels that we can be doing here. So what you're describing is totally true. Like you're feeling that discomfort at the given pace. So let's just say at 10 minute pace, whereas you should be feeling that and not until nine minute pace. So you're going slower than you expected and it's feeling harder than it should. Right. So that would be the thought, right? The, the actual situation is that you're feeling discomfort at this pace instead of the other pace. So then the thought is it shouldn't be that hard, which then leads to the feeling of frustration or anger or disappointment or whatever that feeling is. Right. Which is not going to help you then at all change anything like if if all you have is these negative emotions now of of frustration and disappointment it's not gonna ever spin yourself back around to running back at the appropriate pace like Mm -hmm. you're just gonna keep slowing down oh this is happening again like you're gonna start spiraling in the negative direction Mm -hmm. which is where you really need to start deciding which which pieces of information you're going to take in and what the thoughts you're going to have about those feelings are going Mm -hmm. to be right exactly and so when you start to when you feel that feeling right you get to decide whether or not you want to take it in whether or not you want to discard it but you first have to understand the thought that's creating it right that's that's the biggest thing so if you're feeling nervous why are you feeling nervous like what was the situation and the thought that led you to feeling nervous because a lot of times we get these sensations and these feelings in our body and we don't even know what's causing them yeah i mean you can you can try and come up with a superficial answer of oh well it's that i'm nervous because of this thing it's like okay Okay, but why is that thing even making you nervous? Like the race, right? So people are like, I'm, I'm nervous because I have a race coming up. Okay, but that's just a race. That's just a race. There's a whole bunch of people that are going to be there. Right. There's going to be a guy who shoots off a gun and everybody just, runs. Right, that's just the situation. That's the circumstance. What is your thought about the race right. 
that's making you nervous. Right, because the race isn't actually making you nervous. Mm -hmm. It's your thought about the race that's causing the nerves. Exactly. So once you realize what that thought is, then you can ask yourself, is this the thought that I want to have? Is this thought serving me? Is this a useful thought? Is this thought even valid? Is it even true? (laughs) Right? Because a lot of times our brains lie to us, again, going back to the beginning of the episode, to keep us safe, to keep everything status quo so that we are not pushing outside of our comfort zone, so that we are not threatening our own survival, so that we are not causing pain and discomfort, right? Our brain gives us these false thoughts to keep us in that place and not push us, not, not, you know, like try to convince us not to push ourselves. Right. It essentially lies to us in an effort to keep us safer than we need to be. Mm -hmm. Like the, the first sign of discomfort, the brain flips all the way to, you're going to die. Stop doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's not like this, the idea of like, there's a, a sign that I pass on my way to school in the morning that when it's blinking, cause it's, it's as the road kind of bends and there's a, a stoplight right around the corner. And when the, the sign blinks, it says that the light's going to turn red. I've gone past that sign when it's blinking and the light is still green. Mm-hmm. The light starts blinking just before the light itself turns yellow. Mm-hmm. It's like a super early warning sign. Yeah. That's what your body does. Your body sends the, the warning sign way before it needs to mm-hmm. because it allows you to be able to push through. And then it sends another warning sign and you're like, okay, yeah, I know it's the warning, but it's not actually the warning. Mm-hmm. It's like the gas tank in your car. You know, you like to mm-hmm. have, say that it bings at you when it's empty, mm-hmm. but then it bings at you again when it's like empty, empty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like my, uh, the newer cars that like tell you how many miles you have till you're empty. Yes. But even when you hit zero, you still aren't actually empty. Like you, I hit zero the other day and I was like, oh shoot, I better hit a gas station. You know, like clearly I had more than zero miles left to go. Right. But you don't know how many, how many more you have at that point. Right. No, no, no. It's, (laughs) you know that you're really pushing into the danger zone at Mm -hmm. that point. And so you, you got to start really paying attention to the warning signs and like all of the signals because all of the bells and whistles and warnings are going. Mm-hmm. I was trying to drive home from the store today and I had frozen groceries in the back and I really needed to stop and use a bathroom. And I've got all these warning signs coming towards <laughs> me and a 15 minute drive. Physical to go home. sensations. Lots right? of physical sensations going. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm actually not going to go here in the car. That's actually not going to happen right now. No, but taking it back to running, right? Like when you start to feel those discomfort that discomfort in the race, which if you're racing and actually pushing, you're going to feel discomfort at some point. And you can either take that signal as a sign that you're doing too much and that you need to slow down, which is how some people like to interpret it. And, or you can take charge of your thoughts, right? Like that, cause that it's all a thought, right? I'm feeling this discomfort. Okay. So, uh, oh, maybe I'm pushing too hard. Maybe I better slow down. Maybe, maybe if I'm at this level, I'm not going to make it all the way to the end, right? That's one thought, which would then cause you to slow down. Or you could choose a different thought, right? Like in one of the thoughts that I've shared before that I like to use and, and you used kind of earlier today is this is just, this is proof that I'm doing it right. Right. Yep. This this sensation, what I'm feeling right now, this discomfort means that I'm doing this correctly. This is what racing feels like. This is what racing should feel like. Right. Those are examples of other thoughts that I could choose. And so when I choose the thought of 
I'm doing this right, this is what racing is supposed to feel like, then I'm going to keep pushing at that level, right? Because that's affirmation that I'm doing it correctly. So I'm not going to let up at that point. I'm going to keep pushing and then I'm going to get a better result because I keep pushing. Right. You, you essentially stayed in the discomfort. This is why when you try and keep pushing out of uncomfortable emotions, like sadness or anxiety or whatever those things are, it it doesn't toughen you up to become a, a, a harder runner because at some point you're going to get in the race and you're going to have the uncomfortable sensation. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with it? Oh, well, I'm just going to be able to push past it really quick by walking. Like mm-hmm. you, you have to be able to hang out in the uncomfortable if you want to race to your utmost. Right. And that's why you train. Like that is part of training. Like all of your training runs should not feel great. You know, like some of our athletes, when they're in the middle of a training cycle, they'll hit a workout and they quote unquote fail, right? Like no. they're, they're not, I, I didn't hit the coach. I didn't hit the paces. I, um, I just felt awful on this run. Okay, cool. What did you do about it? Yep. Like, congratulations, you had a crappy run. You're going to learn a lot more some, from that than if you, like, hit every single pace. Like, those workouts that feel awesome that you hit every pace or you beat every pace, those can help build your confidence. But you know what? So can the ones that you continue to push through even when you don't hit the pace, even when you aren't feeling great and you still push through those. Some people can take that and say, Oh, that means I didn't do a good job. And then your confidence goes down. Or you could say, I felt like crap and I did it anyway. Confidence goes up. Because then in the race, when you start feeling that way, you're like, oh, I I know this sensation. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the race. (laughs) I've been expecting you. I figured you would show up right around the two mile (laughs) mark of the 5K. Yeah. Right when right when that sensation comes, it, it, there's really there's like the water stop. Every once in a while, you get the 5K that puts mm-hmm. a water stop at mile and a half. Mm-hmm. There's another stop at mile two. It's just invisible. It's when they throw all of those new sensations into you because <laughs> everybody knows those sensations at the two mile mark of your 5K. Right. So, do you want to change the thought that's coming in? Because if you change your thought, that we that can change your feeling. That will change how you show up and the actions that you choose. And then that will change your results, right? So going back to this this example of discomfort during racing, if you choose to keep pushing, you're going to get a better result than if you decide to slow down. Right. This is sometimes when... Uh, like coaching people remotely gets a little tricky. We've, we can play with the kids in person in like at a cross country practice is let's say you got a kid who's trying to hit like two minute quarters and they hit 155 and 155 and 155. They're like, oh man, they're, they're beating the times all the way. And suddenly it's two, 205, 210. Now you have to decide and you can decide based off of like the experience of that kid. If you know what's been going on, like throughout their day, did they just have three tests that day and they broke up with their girlfriend? Like what was it that was going on? If, if that kid's in overwhelm, you need to call the workout. If that kid's just not having a great workout, okay, now you're going to continue hitting your quarters in 210 and you're going to finish this workout and be like, coach, I'm not hitting the pace. Yeah, but you're going to finish the workout Mm -hmm. because when it gets hard in the race, you're not going to be like, oh man, it's so hard. Okay, cool. Just step off the track at two. Like, no, it's a three mile race. You're going to finish the workout. Sometimes, depending on what else is going on, you shouldn't finish it. Like if, if you knew going in, this is going to be tough. I've got a lot. It's really overwhelming. Maybe you should modify the workout 
add some extra recovery, except uh, maybe just discard the workout and turn it into an easy run. Mm -hmm. But sometimes pushing through when it's really hard and you're not getting the times that you want, you're not getting the results, but still pushing through and finishing it out, that's the win. Sometimes that's the whole point of the workout Mm -hmm. is the workout designed to fail so that you still know that you finished even if you weren't hitting the times written on a piece of paper somewhere. Right, exactly. And ultimately, it's your choice of what you want to do, right? Like, it's your choice to take that workout and decide, am I going to push through? Is it worth it for me even if I'm not hitting those paces? And or am I going to stop this workout? And a lot of people will lie to themselves and say, well, I don't know what to do. Like, that's why I need a coach to tell me what to do. And it's like, stop and actually think. And like what Kevin just said, like, has it been a crazy stressful day? Do you have so much, so many things going on? Are you starting to feel run down and, and almost like you're starting to get sick? Like, do not keep pushing. Call that, Right. Are you feel or is this like a total mental thing right where you're just starting to feel like down on yourself and dejected and it would benefit you mentally to keep pushing through check in with yourself right and once you decide whatever it is you're going to do once you choose the thought that you are going to have take ownership of it right because if you can actually take ownership of it and say yep this is what I'm choosing to think, this is what I'm choosing to do, then that gives it value. You can give your thoughts value and then you're, you're, you buy into it, right? Don't constantly question yourself. Just stop because most likely you know what's going on. Oh no, you know what's going on. You're just sometimes trying to discard the information that, that's the important information. You're you're discarding the stuff that says, I can keep pushing mm-hmm. and going with the part of, this is really hard, I'm going to stop because it's easier. Right. And that's not always serving you very well. That's, mm-hmm. that's helping for survival, but it's not improving you. It's certainly not improving you in running mm-hmm. to always take the out. Like sometimes you got to step up and be like, this is going to be really hard and painful and I'm going to get through it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we really work on with our team members. Like people on our training team, we teach them how to trust themselves. Like we teach them how to become more mindful, to understand their bodies, to know what levels they're pushing towards and to trust that they can make the right decision. We give them the information that they need and teach them how to tap into that internal voice, that intuition, so that they develop that relationship with themselves where they know that they can trust themselves and they're not going to let themselves down yeah where you can you feel how you feel the sensations in your body you know the thoughts before it and you know some ways to handle it you know what to discard what to keep and what to value right so if you're having a hard time buying into all this we have a very quick and easy way that you can test this out for yourself right so on your next run we want you to go out for a run and just start smiling right try smiling on your next run yeah like a big goofball <laughs> like a big goofball and yeah, see mean, how you feel literally like just smile as you run along mm-hmm. like oh this is uncomfortable no put a big grin on your face mm-hmm. like yeah sure you're gonna be breathing hard also so it's gonna be like this really awkward i'm breathing hard and i've got a smile in your face. yes perfect you're nailing it like the key is smiling with your whole body Mm -hmm. so it's not just like that fake picture smile you smile with your mouth and your eyes you smile with your heart as you run down the street and see if that run starts feeling a little bit better right and then try frowning (laughs) yeah now you get to be like grumpy dwarf 
Like, oh, I'm going to be the mopey runner running along right. here. And see if you start slowing down immediately. Yeah, like, watch what happens. Like, again, this is one way that you can practice being the observer, right? Like, just changing your facial express expression on the run can completely change how that run feels for you. It is really, really hard to run fast while you look like you're moping on your face. Like, it's just so difficult to do. Mm-hmm. You start going along and you're like, no, 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 I'm going really fast. And your brain, your mouth just naturally starts going back to, at a minimum, neutral. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's just so difficult to run fast while sad. I really wish that, like, people would record themselves doing this and, the, and send it to us or, like, post it up in the Facebook tribe. So there you go. There's your challenge. So I want you guys to take, like, a 5 to 10 second video of yourself smiling or frowning on your next run and let us know how it goes. Try to not hurt yourself with a selfie stick as you run down the street. <laughs> right. And then, you know, see how it goes and then maybe use it in your next race, right? Like, if things are going... Poorly, try to put a smile on your face and see if you start feeling a little bit better and your pace improves. I mean, I learned this one way back in high school. There was a kid on our team. He was a uh, two two years older than me, and he always had a smile on his face. Always, like in every race, he had a smile. Sometimes it looked more like a grimace, but it was a smile. And we're like, you smile in every race. Like you don't look uncomfortable. You look like you're smiling all the time. He goes, yeah. What's the alternative? Mm. <laughs> is profound I love for it. being like 16 but it's it's proof that you're in charge right and he yep. understood that he was in charge of his own being right yep. that his own um way that he's sh- choosing to show up in this world right and i think that that's important yeah so put a smile on your face and take charge of your actual well of your running and then take charge of your life put a smile on your face put a smile on your face and decide which thoughts you would like to have Perfect. In any given situation. All right. So that's what we have for you guys today. We hope it was helpful. As always, thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 179. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.